can do that. We're, um, we've been talking about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, so I just wanted to give Andre the heads up. I'm going to skip a few slides, but I'll let you know. Um, this is a four-week series. This is week number three. We're preaching at night as well, different again. Uh, tonight, Zelvin is preaching into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm talking about today is, is influence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is slightly different to understanding what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, I realise the spectrum of those in the room today, and I acknowledge the, uh, the differences of uh, preference. Uh, we've come from different backgrounds. Some of us are still open, uh, but needing to grow in the whole concept of what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what does it mean for the Spirit to empower our life, is all this available? Um, and yet others are at the other end of that saying, why do we need to talk about this anymore? Can we not just pray for people all the time and just get it on? Um, and m- most of us are in between, uh, which is fine because this, this issue is a journey, but it's a subject that we can't afford to change. Because one thing, if you've noticed anything right now in the world of Western Australian, Queensland, Brisbane, Christianity, there's a lot to distract us at the moment. There's a lot going on in our heads, not just our normal life with all the trouble that brings, but we're struggling with uh, freedom, concept of freedom, uh, concept of government, do we make a stand, uh, does someone who uh, gets vaccinated, have they signed on with the mark of the beast? There's all sorts of incredible conversations going on. May I say, all a distraction from the main game. It always has been, and it probably always will be, threatening us to get, us, get our eye off the ball of what Jesus died for. Because is our mind not consumed with all these things and in the absence of a greater vision? Because the church predominantly, and I'm winging it now, anything could happen. <laughs> but the church in the West predominantly has become a place of good works. And the works are necessary, but never at the expense of the supernatural, never at the expense of Christian leadership and influence in the community. And Jesus died so that relationship could be found and bonded again, not just, oh, he's my new imaginary friend, he's my new power source, that means that my life is fundamentally, at a literal DNA level, different to someone who has not received Christ, because the power of Christ who has risen is risen in me, and I'm risen with him, and what he did, he told me I can do more. That's getting our eye on the ball. But I wonder how, much of us, how many of us talk about that at night or do we talk about what the government's doing? How much of us talk about what Jesus died for, the potential that he's put in our hearts? So this is a, a big honking deal for me and it always has been. And so I just want to bring it down to a granular, achievable level because we often, when we talk about working in God's presence, it's often the, the category of the weird or the extreme or the super people or something. But normal people have normal experiences normal as defined by scripture every day. So there's a couple of examples. Um, now I, I have been blessed just because of the position that I'm in to see many thousands of, of encounters with God um, over the years. Some incredibly miraculous, life-shifting, life-shifting, life-saving miracles. But sometimes those things seem out of reach for us, don't they? But what about our day-to-day? And I'm thinking now about uh, just one episode that any of us could have in any situation where I was just walking past... Uh, a young woman in a setting, it wasn't in church, and they were just sitting down, and, and you've always got to be discreet about these sorts of things, and I just felt very clear, very prompted to say to her, uh, you know you're in the right place, don't you? And uh, I went to keep walking on, she said, hang on, you won't believe what was done, you know, you won't believe, um, 
what was just going on in my mind. I was in this setting, and the setting was uh, a conference that was talking about and workshopping the supernatural, and she's thinking, no, it's just not for me, you know. And so I just give her a gentle reminder of, of that God is right with her and speaking powerfully into her life. And, those, and that little whisper, right, you can have a hundred of those a day. The gentle whisper of God speaking into your life because the God who is the encourager wants to give courage, encourage, courage within. He encourages us and gives us courage for others. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage does what should be done in the presence of fear, right? Courage is not the absence of fear. So God is the great encourager. And so in that one moment, which is one of thousands that I could share, this person's life shifts and they then make a decision, I am at home here, this is where I should be, and they then embrace the whole thing that was going on, the teaching that took them through this same journey we're talking about and went on to, you know, live a life of miracles. Powerful, but it was one moment that made the difference. And you and I have those moments all day. Sometimes we're the moment that speaks into it, sometimes we're the moment where we need to hear God speak to us. Those moments, those defining moments in our life, they come and they go all the time. And what needs to be on our mind is how many of those defining moments am I listening to, am I aware of, am I, am I partaking in? Because Superman's not involved, no one has a cape here. It's just all of us get to play in this sandbox that is the kingdom advancing day to day. Another example was, uh, uh, and we had a run of this, we had a run of about 12 of these situations where um, women particularly trying to have their first child, trying to get pregnant for the first time. And we just somehow had this residual anointing build up of uh, impossible situations of seeing babies get born. And so we were running on about 10 at that stage. Ultimately, we had a run of about 12 where we would pray for someone and within uh, seven or eight days, they'd conceived for the first time and, and then they were off and running. And this one I'm thinking of now is she'd had seven consecutive miscarriages. Now, you know what, what that does to a human soul when uh, you've had to go through that incredibly tragic process. Do I try again? Uh, does God love me anymore? Is this ever going to happen? Is there any sense of destiny over my life? The thousand questions. And as they came, as their literal last resort and said, can you pray? And, and, and just myself and, and someone else I was praying with, we just that day, and it's just one of, the, of those, that sequence that I'll never forget. There was no emotion. There was no, uh, we weren't like the ninja spiritual warriors that like a, a you know, sometimes spiritual warfare, we go, spiritual warfare looks like super ninja. We're not quite sure. We're, we're aiming at shadows, but we don't know. But, but spiritual warfare in its, in its most powerful state is when God is speaking and you're just following the wind of what he's doing. Say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? It's so much easier then. It's so much more peaceful and powerful then. And so we just, we just prayed and, and did about 20 seconds of spiritual warfare. And then we prayed blessing, just blessing. We didn't even pray for healing. We just prayed blessing. And that was it. Seven days later, she's pregnant with the first of four kids in a row. It's just easy because we're not doing it. We're just listening. And this is normal Christianity. This is what so much of the New Testament is written about. And there's just two simple elements that make this possible in our life. First one is an attentive ear. Say, Lord, what are you saying? Because most of us, we're so cluttered and clamoured with all this that's going on there, all that white noise that's screaming at us, and he won't compete God will not compete with the noise that's going on in your mind. He's bigger than that, and he expects us to be bigger than that. So he speaks not in an outside voice. Predominantly, it's the inside voice, the inside whispers that require us to lean in. What are you doing? What are you saying? An attentive ear, and the second one is, is simple, the faith to obey, to say yes. Because first, we'll hear sometimes, most of you will be hearing most days 
God's whispers, most of us. But we doubt, is that God? Sounds a lot like me. Uh, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And all that is another way of saying disobedience. I'm just not acting. The whispers are coming, but we're not so much working. So what I'd like to do is get another testimony up. I'm loving these testimonies. I'm going to ask Pam Avery to come on up. I know Pam is here. Come on up, Pam. What I'm trying to do is um, get, get, us, um, get us normal church folk just to give stories because every Sunday we don't, we don't normally get a chance just to share. There's so much going on so often in so many lives. So I just, Pam had a funny one. I just, sometimes I just love the super stories. Um, so Pam, we don't have to social distance anymore, so you're okay to be a little <laughs> bit closer. So simple question because I know you're just going to let fly. What's been your most significant moment of stepping out in faith? Uh, I think the most um, exciting one happened a couple of months ago, Pat. Um, I was at um, quite a sizable gathering and um, we were praying for the release of, of gifts of the Spirit. And one of them was the interpretation of um, tongues, which um, is not sort of one of those ones that regularly comes up. People get to pray in tongues. Because we're taught ourselves not to go there because it just divides the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, uh, one of the leaders said, um, would anyone be prepared to come up and um, just speak in tongues to the crowd and uh, let's see if um, the gift of interpreting tongues is, is released. And um, it was this incredible moment where my spirit said yes first and then my body kind of peeled off the chair and followed and then finally my head was going, what, what, what are we doing this? Um, and I got up onto the stage and, you know, just as we were singing that lyric of that song, you know, God's never going to let you down. Well, he wasn't going to let me down standing in front of this large group of people waiting for somebody to start speaking in tongues. And I must um, say, like, I've seen a lot. I've never actually seen that set up. That sounds pretty controversial and just out there, doesn't it? It's like... It was. So you think it is. It's okay. It is a bit odd. It's, you know... Um, and, uh, well, it felt even odder finding myself being the person who volunteered to do yeah. it, I have to say. Awesome. <laughs> and, um, you know, just God is so faithful. He's never going to embarrass us. And I just started speaking like I was um, giving an entire sermon in, in Hebrew. And um, But you didn't know that, did you? Because you, you were no, used to a no, different... I, I don't speak Hebrew, just so that we're all clear. I, I don't know a word of Hebrew. Um, but I was told later someone had recorded part of it and translated it back. Um, but three people in the room got the gift um, of interpreting tongues. And it was the most incredible experience because then um, they started to stand up and actually um, interpret what I was saying. And the incredible thing is... It was just Jesus' words, um, uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, and um, where he speaks about, you know, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it, it was an incredible experience. It went on for about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and it was, it, was so, it was so fun, but I think, um, and it's probably been, you know, one of the, absolute highlights of my Christian journey. I so when you say, say someone, trans they'd actually, it had gone into Google Translate. 
Oh no, no, it was it was only someone who had recorded a, a, a small part of it that realised afterwards and said to me, you know, I think that was Hebrew, but the three people who were interpreting in the room do not speak Hebrew, do not understand Hebrew, but they just heard directly from God and started speaking in English what they were hearing. Mm. Awesome. So it was, yeah, yeah. it was really incredible. And there was one more story that you had, which was really cool. Uh, yes, and I think just the back story to this is, um, you know, it was about three years ago that um, God just plucked me out of my corporate career and, um, you know, basically it, it, I began almost like a bullet train experience of transformation. I had never, ever prayed for somebody before. I didn't know how to. I was very uncomfortable with any of that. I'd never experienced the Holy Spirit. Um, and... Um, I, I started encountering more and more people that really needed um, prayer. And there was a lady who had terminal cancer. Um, and I was at a, at a um, gathering and I just felt led to go over and pray for this, this lady. And um, this is not something I was comfortable doing. But you know, as I walked towards her and leant, put my hand out... Um, she just had the most incredible experience with the Holy Spirit and, and she um, fell down and um, just experienced um, incredible um, freedom in her life and a lot of um, pain was sort of released from her at that point. Um, and then um, during the course of a couple of days, every time I would go over and pray for her, she would have another incredible experience and he did so much work in her over those couple of days it was first freedom and then she ex uh, sorry it was first peace um, then she experienced a, a type of healing and then she actually experienced freedom last and in the freedom she was a very conservative lady and was racing around the church leaping and dancing into the air and singing and I think her husband um, never quite got over that moment. Um, but I, I think that the, the main thing for me and in, in all of us was I didn't know what was going to happen when I stepped forward to pray for her. Um, and, you know, God is so many good things. He's, he's so loving and so kind, but he's not the God of the comfort zone. Mm. And it's not his highest priority, is no. it? No. Uh, so um, a lot of it has required me to step out um, into things that I'm really, you know, have not been comfortable doing, um, approaching people to pray for them, and God's just sort of pointed me in the direction of somebody, and I've not really, I haven't gone over thinking, well, I've had this download of yep. two pages I'm going to say to them. So it's, it is about really stepping out. Um, and just trusting him that he's never going to let you down. And he will um, give you something to say to that person. Um, and I think a couple of weeks ago, Pat, when I was here on an encounter night, I would got really caught up with work and stress and, and not been really keeping my eye on God. And I came to an encounter night and Pat said, you know, if anyone wants to come forward for prayer, and he looked around and he said, Pam's here, and so, so, and I thought, right, okay, that's a step up moment. Pat's induction process, Pat's, yes. Pat's calling me, and um, that night there were three different people that I prayed for, and 
um, you know, just saw God's impact on their lives. Um, and it was probably maybe, you know, 10 minutes worth of, of, of prayer across those three scenarios. And then I went to work and um, one of the ladies at my work who's not Christian was really, she's been really struggling with stress. And, you know, I just said to her, actually, you know, I had this amazing weekend where I was just reminded of who I am and what my calling is. And um, I said, you know, I, I prayed for these three people and um, I started to tell her about the message God had given me for one of the people. And she just burst into tears and she cried and cried and cried. And I realized in that moment that God was giving me the message that she needed to hear. Mm. And um, that evening she just sent me a message and she just said, I'm so grateful that's exactly what I needed to have today and that was the most amazing experience so mm. yeah so it does take you know it does take courage to step out and I definitely don't have a superwoman cape but it is worth just yeah. giving it normal a go. people doing yeah. incredible things just yeah. just by saying yes awesome thank you Pam actually take that mic with you that's awesome thank, thank you. thanks Pam for, for doing that yeah, if, if, if there's one thing I've found through the, the complexities of our life and the troubles that, that fill our brains is that it really does kick the audacity out of us, doesn't it? You ever felt like that, that the life has just kicked the oxygen out of you? And the courage that's required to, to do this walk of faith um, can just be sidetracked so easily. So um, I'm just going to bounce forward a few slides, Andre, to the conversation about anointing, because I want to talk about anointing, because Zelvin's going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit tonight. And I realise, again, this is something that this may be new, so I'm going to try and bring it down to a, a bit of a methodical um, process here as a bit of a teacher. But the term anointing, because what we tend to do when we, we, we talk about uh, profiling and the gifts of the Spirit, all those sorts of things, what, can we, what we can essentially do is put ourselves in a box, because when we think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, often people think about a, a box that's been gift-wrapped, and it's like, that's my box. That's my thing. This is what I do. And so... I might sense my gift of the Holy Spirit is to uh, show hospitality from 10 to 12 on Sunday, you know, or whatever. We, we define ourselves and say, well, this is what God's called me to be. But it doesn't actually quite work that. He wants to get us out of that box. Because I'm sure Pam would say in her example that, that she doesn't have the gift of healing or the gift of all those other things. It's just, no, just working under this grander theme called the anointing, the, the sense of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon a normal human being. So let's break it down a little bit because the term anointing literally just means uh, to smear, a, a smear of oil. That was a symbol that they used in the Old Testament, which represented authority. In the New, the Apostle John says, you, uh, meaning us, all of us, have an anointing from the Holy One. So an anointing is upon you and it's upon all of us. So that power, that dunamis power, it says in the Greek, that's where the word dynamite comes from. That, that explosive power is available to all of y'all. All, we're all there. Okay? It's not for the person next to you alone, it's for you. It's part of your life. It's your calling. And your calling, the thing that God's called you to do and to be, cannot be fulfilled in the absence of you partnering with God's anointing on your life. We really need to grasp that. 
because what the implications of that are, then what am I doing? If I'm not tapping into his anointing, what am I doing? Well, you're probably being very faithful and very good, and he's probably going, awesome, love that, but there's so much more that can happen through your life. Let's throw a few verses at this to, to really start to cement this. Acts 1.8, which we all know, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be. In other words, therefore, after this power, you'll be my witnesses. Anyone had any trouble witnessing? lacking faith for that, lacking the courage to do that. This power will come upon you and you will. So people say, what's the sign of the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, you'll probably start witnessing. You'll be full of boldness. You'll be starting to act out of courage. So you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and so on. Then we get to Acts 2, a few verses later on. The Spirit came at Pentecost and it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Tongues of fire there was a, a, a real nod back to Sinai where the law was given on this day and there were tongues of fire on the mountain and now the tongues of fire were on each head. So there was a direct symbology coming there connecting these two days. Tongues of fire separated them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Tongues there particularly is a sign there which is another flashback to Sinai because it says they saw flames and heard voices on the mountain. So now the flames and the voices were upon each person. So particularly that gift of uh, speaking in other languages was given in that moment to, you know, and it still goes on as we've just heard, but particularly that day, that was incredibly significant. And the fact that there were foreigners in the room or around them so they could speak the wonders of the gospel in languages for the people who were present. God was meeting a specific need. And this is what anointing is all about, okay? So we're not talking about gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a different issue because the gift of tongues, not everyone has the gift of tongues. Not one single gift is for every single person or not every person has any single gift. It's, it's disparate. We're a body, as we've seen. Okay, so it goes on, Acts 2.16. And they're trying to explain this. So Peter's gotten up to preach. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Old men like me, we're relegated to dreams now. Um, I've, I've had the upgrade. I'm a dreamer now. Uh, the, the, I don't get the visions so often anymore. But I had, when I was in my 20s and 30s, this was literally true for me. Incredible visions, which I'd love to share on, on another setting. So it's talking about the promise of the Spirit in our life. It's, it's the, the most fascinating element of all that is that somehow we found a way to do church over 2,000 years that's, that's in many ways moved on from that. It's like, now we've found ways. I've got textbooks in my office of church growth, and none of them require the Holy Spirit. I want to burn those books. You know, we can't, we can't fulfill what God has for us to do in the absence of his presence doing what only he can do. You know, we, we don't dare. We have prayers who pray before the meeting and through the meeting. We don't dare do a meeting like this, relying on the fact of the eloquence of a speaker or the song choice or the musos. We're praying in God's presence in this place. But how does all this work? And I realise I've, I've got to be fairly rapid, it's in, but it's infograph time. Infograph time. How's that? The toilet is that way. So what I, want to, what I want to represent here is this concept of how does the anointing work in your life? We're Westerners, so it needs to make a bit of sense. Okay, the next one up there. It talks about, here is the, the goal of God's anointing on our life. So his goal is not to make us happy, clappy, Pentecostal, or brethren, or Presbyterian. It's not in his equation. God's heart, the wine, is to be stewarded by the wineskins 
Why? For the needs of the world. Why does God give us the Spirit? Because the world needs the Spirit. The world needs the kingdom to advance. The world needs what Christians can bring. His mission is that we would get involved in his mission, which is to begin to meet the needs of the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a very interesting premise that not many people understand. The anointing predominantly is not for us. The anointing is to empower us to meet the needs of the world. And that's very different from a conversation about spiritual gifts. Because the goal of the Spirit is to meet the needs of people who are desperate, who know no life, who are breathless and dry and dusty. He wants to be in there and invading that space, and the anointing is available to do that. Next slide. Who gets a chance to do it? Only those who are holy. No. But that's what the church has preached at different times in history. If you want to get full of the Holy Spirit, man, you better get all of that nonsense out of your life. You need to be perfect, a perfect vessel, because light can't dwell with darkness is the verse we bring out there. That's a verse in the Bible. It's not talking about that at all. See, the Holy Spirit's in you. You've got a bit of darkness in you. He seems to be pretty comfortable with that. He likes you. He lives in you. He's not intimidated by it. He's bigger than all of that. He's not requiring your perfection before the perfection can come through you. It's the next one on. Who gets to work in the anointing? Those who work by faith. This is how it works. If I want to have my hand in heaven, the currency of the kingdom, in that sense, if I could use that sort of terminology, is faith. Always has been. Paul says in Romans, it's faith from beginning to end. If you want to access what God has, whether it's salvation, all these other benefits and gifts that come, we access them through faith, not through earning them through my holiness. We want to bring it back to works all the time. Sometimes I wish it was because it means those who work in the Holy Spirit have also got their life together, but most of them don't. Most of them fail. And so we sit there going, I can't work out why God would work through this person. Maybe it wasn't God after all. Look how broken they are. But there's no correlation particularly, unfortunately, between character and anointing. It's those who, who know how to lean in with faith. Next slide. What do we then do? How does it work? Is it only for the special? So the, only the people who have a special ministry can bring this anointing and release it into the world? Is it just the special people? No, it's not. It's the next slide. It's those who obey. It's those who can hear in faith. They're listening and those who say, yes, Lord, I'm going. That removes all the barriers except my obedience. Paul talks about it in Romans 1 and Romans 16. He calls it the obedience that comes from faith. True obedience is not works it's a response and an overflow. It's a heart full that's fueling mission. Obedience comes from faith. If I believe in God that much, I can't help but do that. I can't help but rely on him. And that's what it's really all about. So for those of us who want to work in the anointing, they're the two things we focus on. Coming to him in faith that God can and will do anything. Having a latent residual expectancy that anything's possible. Anything can happen here. And then the faith, the obedience, sorry, to go for it and just say it. Because sometimes you will mess it up. Uh, sometimes we'll make mistakes. And that's, that's the mystery and the mess of New Testament Christianity. And so if we don't want mess, what do we do? We make it so clinical, we say, let's just talk about holiness. Let's just talk about the stuff that keeps it under control. Let's get a bigger constitution. Let's have more members meetings. Let's make it impossible for anyone to do anything wrong. And that becomes the conversation, as it, just, as it did in the Old Testament because there was no spirit present. But we're called to a new covenant, to a higher calling, to work in faith and obey from that and see the world changed around us. And it grows. Everything starts small. You probably won't see paraplegics raised the first time you pray for someone. 
I was once given great wisdom, don't stop praying for healing until you've prayed a thousand times. A thousand times. I saw my first healing after 200. 200. Obedience. Next slide. So how does that work through you? Well, God somehow in his wisdom has said, you're the filter for this. You're the filter. So heaven is unlimited and perfect. The world is broken. And somehow you and I as his vessels, as broken and imperfect as we are, he says, you're the filter through which the coffee's coming through. What are they tasting at the other side? You think, man, that coffee tastes a bit dodgy. <laughs> the coffee's not the problem. <laughs> There's something wrong with the filter. No one, no one cleaned the filter out, you know. And so we are the filter. And the filter often is our mindsets, our thinking, our ability to um, be thinking with hope, hope and optimism and faith, all these sorts of things, an understanding of the ways of God. I wish there was a different way, but the Lord has handcuffed himself to work with us as his body on earth. And so that requires us to get our thinking aligned with the thinking of heaven. Brie gave us a great testimony last week that the, the first thing that God had to do in her life for him to transform her was to break away everything in her thinking that disagreed with the thinking of heaven. And so our mind in, in some ways becomes the gateway of kingdoms in that sort of sense. But then he gives you specific spiritual gifts. So we all have different as different members of the body, we have different specific things that we lean in, but that doesn't abdicate us at any time from working in the fullness of the anointing as well. So I have spiritual gifts. I only get to exercise them um, reasonably rarely through my, through my role. The things that I'm naturally good at uh, and the things that he has anointed me for don't often get their place in my, in my sort of busy life, and you've probably got the same thing. A lot of people who know their spiritual gifts... In fact, the rarity, it's something like 5 to 10% of people who even know what their gifts are operate in them at any space at all. Isn't that fascinating? But we all know it. We've done the survey, so awesome. <laughs> so spiritual gifts work through, and then wisdom. And wisdom, I put wisdom there. That's what we require. We need to fill our mind, not with knowledge specifically. Knowledge is great, but knowledge without wisdom can be very, a very dangerous thing. So wisdom is the application of truth to life. Wisdom is saying, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. What is true? How does that change life? And then responding in obedience to that. So it's, it's a very interesting process, um, and sometimes it's good to square away the mechanics of that, if I could put it that way, the architecture of, of the kingdom model. But it's very, very simple. The hard bit is saying yes. It, it literally is. The hardest thing is getting the noise out of our minds and just saying yes. Now, I need to wrap up, but um, I said when I started this series, you know, what's the, what's, the, what's the end game here? Where are we going with this? So are you trying to create... I'm not trying to create anything as far as a, a specific culture that looks like anyone or anything else. All I'm interested in is each of us operating in the fullness of the New Testament promise in a way that looks like, uh, for this room, Kenmore Church of Christ. But in your, it looks like you as you live in Pullenvale or Brookfield or or Jindalee, or wherever we come from, it looks like you, a real person, a real person. Probably, if you're a standard Queenslander, slightly introverted, uh, reasonably conservative in theology, um, you know, normal, <laughs> thoughtful people with our limitations and our strengths. People like you, who God said, I haven't changed the mandate on your life. And so the, the first prize for me in this is that people like you and I experience as normal supernatural transformation of our soul. Superman, supernatural transformation 
of our bodies and our lifestyle. So we're not just living from our own strength. I just want to see us that as people come into this place, that as they meet you, encouragement leaks out of us. That as they encounter us, they're actually encountering Jesus within you. And that our mindset is always on the offensive. We're not thinking about how life kicked the audacity out of us. That when we come together or when we spread out, our mindset is not on the defensive and the back foot, but on the front foot saying, God has something for every single person I'm locking eyes with. Every single person that I interact with at work and at home. He has an agenda of blessing and courage and gifting and healing and life. Because he said, I've come here that they may have life. And all he needs is for us to get our eyes back on the ball, our ears listening, and our hands determined to follow and say yes. In the smallest and most incremental of ways. It's normal people doing incredibly abnormal things. That for me is, is the church. It's a vision I've got, and, and um, as the next few weeks and months roll on into next year, we, we can release more of the vision that we have for that, a, a few sort of revolutionary sort of ideas and programs we want to run. But um, this stuff is different to just doing church, just doing, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm that weird guy at work who doesn't have swear words on their screensaver and stuff. You know, it's like, no, I'm a person of power. Where I stand, things are going to change. You know, where the kingdom needs to come, it's coming where I am. <laughs> I am the priest of my workplace. I'm the priest in my home. I have been given authority. I've been given anointing. And my only repentance in that sense is, Lord, forgive me for not listening. Lord, give me the courage to obey. And all of us getting our chance to come up and share some of the incredible war stories that can happen from that. Think of, the, think of the people that you interact with. They need you to walk in faith, to believe that anything can happen and probably will. And you can frame it really graciously, say, would you mind? Sometimes you, you, you can lay a hand and pray for them. Sometimes you just have to say, do you mind if I pray for you privately? But you can say, look, sometimes things change, sometimes things happen, sometimes they don't, but would you mind if I prayed for you? Would you mind if, if I just asked God to bless your life? There's no harm in that. No one's going to say no, or if they do, you just pray anyway. You know, it's just, it's just like, get on with it. <laughs> but, um, but it's not safe in that sense, in the terms of, ooh, my, my comfortable little life. It's, it requires courage, it requires a stepping out of the boat and giving, giving that water a bit of a, a, bit of a go which will mean sometimes we sink, sometimes we succeed, but the more you try, the longer you can walk on water and see these things begin to happen in your life. It's normal Christianity. So if your heart beats a little bit faster with that conversation, if your heart goes, yes, I, I want that, I'm born for this sort of thing, then please come and receive some prayer in a moment when we uh, have the worship and the, and the band going. We want to pray that you become full of the Holy Spirit more and more. Uh, and tonight we're going to pray again. Next week we're going to pray again. And Zelvin's got a great message next Sunday night where we're just literally going to talk and pray into being, becoming full of the Holy Spirit, what that means and what that experience is like. It's exciting, hey? A bit scary. It's awesome. All right, let me pray as the band comes up. Father, I just really pray that those, and all of us are on a journey, but sometimes there's a specific step where we go, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. That's what I need. That's what I've been lacking. And your heart cries out for that. And, and Jesus said of that, talking of the Spirit, the, the Gospels say, would, would I give a stone to one who longs for a fish? He will give you, for those who seek, 
And I have never seen anyone who's longed for this experience of the Holy Spirit to empower their life become disappointed over a 12 or 24 month period. That journey always finds its resolution in a powerful Christian walk. So Father, we pray your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that the presence of God will be something that we thirst for. That Lord, the faith that inspires us to move would grow in our life. And Lord, that the the courage to obey and step out would also grow. Make us people of courage, Father. People of love overflowing from that. Bless your people with your presence today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.